Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. Thank God for that freedom that we have in Christ. The freedom that we have through Him. So great to see everybody here today. We appreciate you being here at MPC on this Sunday. Thank you for joining us online. For those that are online with us today, we appreciate it very much. <clears throat> I'd like to direct your attention to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1. Amen. To our guests that are here today, thank you for being a part of our service and worship with us. Amen. We'd love for you to get connected to MPC in uh, multiple ways. And there's a group for you to be part of, and we would love to have you connected to that. <clears throat> uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, again, a familiar passage because it is a timely passage. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. <clears throat> For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, Traitors, heady, high-minded. It's like he's just hammering. <clears throat> lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. He said these are going to be signs of the last days. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which crept into houses and led captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust ever learning and never, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further. <clears throat> For their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs, speaking of Janus and Jambres, theirs also was. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come before you today standing, Lord Jesus, in, in the place, God, that we serve you. We serve the gift that you've given, but we stand desperately in need of your anointing to be upon us, Father, in a way that it impacts hearts in a way, Lord Jesus, it touches lives. Lord, would you guide my lips today? Let my thoughts, oh Lord Jesus, be pleasing to you. And we're going to give you a praise, God, for what you're going to manifest yourself and how you're going to manifest yourself in this message today. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. Be seated. We live in a crazy world and crazy times that are indeed perilous. So I want to talk to you today about 
back in the closet are how to overcome perilous times. Back in the closet. Navigating today's culture is like navigating a pond full of hungry piranhas. It's a dangerous proposition. Navigating media is a dangerous proposition. It seems like the more we bubble wrap our world, the more hazardous it becomes. I preached on the spirit of Babylon here and will continue to preach on it in in time, but the spirit of Babylon is the spirit of the world or the spirit of worldliness that parades itself before us with charm and alluring uh, 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 mentality to charm us, to allure us. The epidemic that is before us, I believe, demands our attention. It is an epidemic of, I want recognition, I want fame, I want notoriety. Do you realize that just recently somebody, I don't know who, whether scholarly or unscholarly or whatever, but they have now made burnout a medical condition. Burnout, a medical condition. You know, years ago, you didn't hear much about people that were burnt out because they were hungry. Didn't hear about the farmer getting burned out. He was hungry. He got tired, but he worked because he, he, he had a reason to get up in the morning. Now we have people today that, 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 that is so engrossed in this, this spirit of the age that, that, that says uh, 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 you need to worry about yourself. The problem with all the self-help books and seminars and pseudo-psychology and the fads of the self-image world is that it is a constant reminder of self. We've even made a a photo now called a selfie. You take a selfie. Nothing wrong with taking a selfie. Please, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just simply sharing with you my observation of a world that has a perilous problem and it is an addiction with self. Isn't it amazing that every time you hear someone say, I'm on a quest to find myself, that it, it, it usually means I'm breaking off this relationship, I'm ending that relationship because i got to go find myself. I wish people would go find themselves at the cross. Find themselves at the cross. Let me just for a moment walk through the passage of Scripture uh, in, 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 that Paul talked about. And as I, as I talk about them, just leave it up, Sister Shelley. Just leave the passage up. We're going to just walk through uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse uh, 1 through 9. We're going to walk through them just for a few minutes. Paul said, And this know also, that in the last days, perilous, perilous times, fierce times, hard times, dangerous times, Harsh times, savage times shall come. These are perilous times that we are in. Yes, they're good times. Yes, they're great times. I get that. I'm not going to overlook that. And we're going to repair the savage and, and dangerous times. We're going, to, we're going to find a way to overcome them. But let me just put the spotlight on what Paul said would be in the last days. 
fierce times, hard times. They shall come. And then he began to describe this is the kind of mentality and the spirit that you will be facing in the last days. Men shall be lovers of their own self. That is, they will be characterized by affections that are concerned chiefly with oneself and to one's advantage to the exclusion of others. For when a man or a woman is a lover of themselves, they are saying at anyone's expense, myself comes first. At everyone else's expense, myself comes first. You know, I gotta take care of yourself. You gotta help yourself. You gotta be good to yourself. Amen. Then he said that they would be covetous. Covetous, that is a love for money, an unjust love for money, an undue love for wealth, obsessed with it, if you please. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of not money, but the love of money. God does not want you necessarily not to pursue wealth, but pursue it with the right attitude. Pursue it with the right principles. Pursue it with the right mindset. It's not that God wants all of his people to be poor and, and down and out. That's not his as well. But we understand it is the love of money. It is the obsessions with money and wealth and possession. And Paul said this would be the time of the last day, the perilous time. Boasters, he calls them. That is a person who has a self-exalted, self-absorbed conceit of their own superiority. A boaster, especially one that believes that all their achievements are by their own doing. Look what I've done. Let me tell you how I do it. Look at my way. My way's better than your way. I'm preaching already and some of you hadn't caught me. Boasters. Boasters, proud. This means showing oneself above others, noticeably above others, having an over, overbearing estimate of one's means or merits, despising others or even treating them with contempt. Let me just look at you. Let me, let me look down at you. Let me tell you what you're doing wrong and how, what you ought to do. And so we, we, we find that that is the definition of proud here. And then he calls them blasphemers. It's an interesting word. It is a word that means irreverent toward what is held as sacred. Things that were once considered sacred are now considered to be condemned. Things that were once considered special and unique, even religious, is now slandered because the slandering has now become the commonplace. This is what it means to be a blasphemer. Do you realize today that there is such an attack on the sacred things? Tear down sacred things. Tear down the sacredness of life. Tear down the sacredness of marriage. Tear down the sacredness of the family. The sacredness of an individual person. Tear it down. Disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents. I don't even really have to comment on that, but that's, that's, that's a perilous time of the last days. It is a condition of being unpersuadable. That's what the word means. Unpersuadable. 
It is a, 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 a child or a person that will not submit to an authority no matter how they persuade, no matter what they say. They're not going to take it. It doesn't matter if it sounds right, looks right, or is even the truth. It's unpersuadable. That means disobedient to parent, stubborn, obstinate, rejecting the very will of God because that is what disobedience is. I want to tell you, we live in that that day that that is permeating throughout our society. Children. Now, now I realize that I was told incorrectly, but I was told this, that there are certain subjects that you shouldn't preach about as a, as a preacher. And one of them was money. And Well, Jesus talked more about money than he did anything else. And, and the other one was people's kids. And I preached about children and, and preached about my own kids. And thank God for kids because they'll make you humble like nothing else. Some of this, those so-called experts before they had children become really uh, uh, humble when they realize they weren't quite the expert that they thought my kid might child will never do that. We'll never have that. They'll never look like that. And then all of a sudden, they're doing everything they said they weren't going to do. Be very careful. But I will say this. One thing I want to add to you, one thing I want to say to you is that if a child is being mis misbehaving in your home, they're going to be misbehaving in the church. And if they're misbehaving in the home, they're going to be misbehaving in the school. They're going to look, if they, if they smart back to you and they, they, want to, they want to be stubborn back to you, the chances are they're going to be stubborn with that policeman pulls them over and one day it will catch up with them. Better to take little Johnny and little Susie right now and teach them. I, this is not in my notes, but Lord, I'm preaching it. Amen. It's time to teach them. You better understand what obedience means because obedience will lead to blessing. Disobedience can lead you to prison. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. This is the absence of expressing gratitude or thanks. Unthankful. Blessing, ah, unthankful. Give, unthankful. Support, unthankful. Be good to, unthankful. That's a condition of the last days. Amen. We're, we're dealing with some pressures here today that I want to talk to you about. It, whether you realize it or not, there is a spirit that's motivating this particular attitude of perilous times. Then he said, after unthankful is unholy. This is lacking the characteristics of moral purity. The King James calls it profane. Unholy, something that is unholy, something that is morally profane where it is now we live in a society where morals are gone out the door, out the window. It doesn't matter. Amen. Just live however you want to. Live whatever you want to. And all of a sudden we realize we're in perilous times of the unholy. Then an interesting one in verse 3 is without natural affection. Automatically we think of, 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 of the perversion of homosexuality or we think of the perversion of, of marriage. That's not what he's talking about. As I begin to dissect this, every place that it sent me, everywhere it sent me, I begin to realize that without natural affection means unloving, inhuman, 
unsociable, heartless, heartless. I believe that abortion is without natural affection. For a mom to kill her own baby, to, do, to murder her own baby, for a society to just tout and, 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 and be so overblown about this whole mess. This is the spirit of the age. Whether you realize or not, it's not about politics. It's not about Democrat. It's not about Republican. It's not about government. There's a war in the heavens going on. It is a perilous times. And I want to know how am I going to get through this? How am I going to deal with this pressure? How am I going to deal with this constantly uh, being bombarded by this world and these perilous times that we're dealing with. Truce breakers. One that cannot be persuaded to make peace. Hold grudges. Unforgiving. Truce breakers. Truce breakers. False accusers. It's an interesting Greek word, this word put together, false accusers, is the word diablos. Diablos. That sounds a lot like the Spanish word. Brother Dylan was here, he would tell you. Diablos. What does that sound like? Devil. Devil. So when he says false accusers, he's saying acting like the devil. The devil is the accuser. The devil is the accuser. And so the false accuser becomes malicious and slanderous, saying things to tear down, to destroy. Amen. False accusers. Oh, it's okay if I think it. I just post it on Facebook and nobody's going to know about it. Lord, I told myself I would follow my bishop's order and not go there like he did on teaching the other night. I want to be careful. False accusers, devilish, malicious, slanderous. That's what Paul is saying. That's that's the spirit of the last days. Incontinent, that's not a word we often hear today in our vocabulary, but it means without self-control, unrestraint, by custom or morality. There are certain customs of society. There are certain norms of society that, that holds people back. They're just not going to do it because it's a norm in society. There are, there are certain norms that hold us back. Then there are moral norms that should hold us back. And yet in this perilous time, gone are the customs, gone are the traditions, gone are the norms, and gone are the morals. And so it's just simply do what you want to, how you want to, whatever you want to, whoever you want to do it with, however you want to do it, it doesn't matter. Incontinent, fierce, not tame, savage, Wild, ruthless. Uh, this is what, what this word means. Uh, that uh, People that are, are just bloodthirsty. Don't care who they run over. Don't care what they do. Despisers of those that are good. Uh, no love for virtue. Haters of that which is good. Without good friends. Without good companions. Because they do as the Bible say. They call evil good and good evil. That's the sign of the last day. He doesn't stop there. He says traitors. Treacherous. Betrayers of trust and confidence. Uh, by Violators of allegiance, saying things when they shouldn't say things, things that were held in confidence, spoken out of confidence. I'm preaching the word to you today. Traitors, treacherous, heady. That means.
means reckless, rash. They plunge ahead into wickedness, uh, being swept away by impulse, uh, swept away by passion. Well, I don't know what happened to me. I just got overcome with this passion, uh, completely under con- uh, without concern of consequence. Heady, high-minded, conceit. It's an interesting word, high-minded. It literally means to be wrapped in smoke. When a person is wrapped in smoke, the only person they see is themselves. They don't have a clear vision of their neighbor. They don't have a clear vision of what's around them. It's themselves. When somebody is wrapped in conceit, they are high-minded. The only world they see is theirs. They have an obstructive view of what is what is really their own importance. They live in a smoke-wrapped mentality. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That means that this perilous time is that there will be those that will be addicted to pleasure more than addicted to God. There are some people today that will not show up to church today because they've got something else they want to do, something else they want to feed, somewhere else they've got to be. And it's just a little bit more important. It's a little bit because it makes them feel good something we used to say they had to stay home to watch gun smoke no they don't have to do that anymore they can watch it anytime they want to but there's always something pulling always something that says do you love the Lord more than you love anything else amen lovest thou me more than these lovest thou me (laughs) are you addicted to God are you addicted to stuff am I addicted to pleasure or am I addicted to God is he consumed me or does being here and doing that and going there consume me feeling good making sure I feel good about myself making sure that I look good to society making sure that everybody likes me he says having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof there are some folks that are keeping appearance of devotion but their conduct denies the validity of their own faith to keep appearance to keep appearance because they want to see be seen as being uh, faithful to God but in reality they are in this perilous attitude Paul said from such turn away from such turn away our society today is engrossed in signs of its own self obsession Greed and materialism has become the mantra of the day. Obsession with celebrities and fame and becoming famous is so important today. Advocation of short-term sexual relationships is now the norm. Do you know why divorce rate is down? It's because kids are not getting married. Pathological gambling is now an accepted norm. Widespread cheating is now an accepted norm. Just recently did you see the news about those parents that spent hundreds of thousands of dollars so their child could get into a college that's not going to help them one iota. Perilous times that we're living in. You see, our world has got a name for all of this. If you begin to run the list, you will find that our world has a name for this spirit. It is called narcissism. Narcissism. 
When I got this from one one particular website. It was a Christian website, but it was dealing with narcissism. And it says, when narcissism is deeply rooted, we may be dealing with someone who has a narcissistic personality disorder or NPD. Personality disorders are deeply ingrained beliefs and behaviors that are difficult but not impossible to treat. I want to tell you if a person has stepped into this world spirit, it is the spirit of narcissism that consumes me, flesh, my, gotta have my way, gotta have it this way. I know. I'm, whether you realize it or not, you're being pressured by the spirit of narcissism today. You're being pressured on every side. Push, push, push. Paul called it perilous times. Let me continue quoting. Rather than a simple remodel, the very frame of the house is affected and needs to be renovated from the ground up. So to change a narcissistic mentality, you've got to take it to the foundation and start building it again according to this particular Christian website. What are the traits, they said, of those narcissistic personality disorder? These are the traits that they say is a narcissistic person. Number one, they have a grand sense of self-importance. I'm sorry, Paul already said that. Number two, they are preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. Paul already said that. They believe they are special and unique and can only be understood by or should be associated with other special people of high status and or high stature or institutions that meet their criteria. Amen. Paul already called that perilous times. They said that narcissism requires excessive admiration. Excessive admiration. Amen. It requires, it has a sense of entitlement. It takes advantage of others to achieve their own ends. Paul, did he not just say that? There's a lack of empathy. Did he not say without natural affection? Envious of others, this website says, or believes that others are envious of them. It shows another point is that narcissist shows arrogant, haughty behavior or Attitude. This is just, they say, a brief overview to the idea of several characteristics of NPD. I've got to tell you, does that sound like what Paul said? Well, here's what he tells us. He says, I want you to remember those that are in this mentality. Verse seven, are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Amen, men of corrupt minds, reprobate to the faith, but they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be manifest to all men and theirs also was. What do you say? pastor I'm saying there is a way to be victorious over perilous minds there's a way to be victorious over a narcissistic spirit amen there's a way you gotta deal with it if I'm not preaching to anybody this morning I'm preaching to me I can't afford to get sucked into the, the lure of, of fame and, 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 and importance 
How do we contradict? How do we counteract? How do we overcome this kind of culture, this perilous, narcissistic culture? Because we're bent towards selfishness by our own world, by our own minds. All of us, if we'll be honest, are a little selfish. All of us have a little bit of that. But what this world does, it's got a huge old vacuum cleaner sucking us in. We're addicted to how many friends we got. We're addicted to how many followers we got. We're addicted to how many people like our tweet. How many people are doing this until it, be, it loses its true meaning. Sure, amen, you're putting something out there that's good and great. You want everybody in the world to be a part of that. That's, that's right. Amen. But I think that there's a spirit that lures us in. That draws us in. That makes us go beyond just simply being involved and in, in being a part to becoming enslaved by the selfie mentality, the Babylon mentality of narcissism that says me, 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 look at me, see me, look how good I am, look at what, what is it really saying? I don't know who I am, I don't know what I'm about, I don't have an identity other than trying to suck it from someplace else. So how do we deal with it? How do we deal with this? I believe Jesus gave us the answer. Go back to the closet. In a world that wants to be, it's so funny, so funny. It's been a while ago, but there was several young ladies sitting on this front row, all on their phones. And I, I just happened to walk by and said, what are y'all doing, texting each other? They're sitting all, of, there was four of them. All of them are gone and gone now. You know who I'm talking about. Sitting there. I looked at him and said, what are y'all doing? Texting each other? Yes. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, just. But we can get sucked into the mentality that says, I don't have interaction with people, but I want people to be interact with me. I don't want to have association where I got to talk to you face to face. Because if I do that, then I got to look you eyeball to eyeball. But I'll do something behind the scenes. Mm. So how do we combat this selfie mentality of the day? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets that they may be seen of men. Amen. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but thou, when you pray, enter into thy closet, and when you have shut the door, pray thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. What is he saying? If you want to combat this mentality of selfism, if you want to combat narcissism today, you got to go find a clause in a prayer where nobody knows about it but you and God. Nobody sees it but you and God. That's where your power lies. That's where your authority lies. If you want to, if you want to defeat con, uh, conceit and, and pride and selfishness, uh, go and find a closet with just you and God. Find a place alone with you and the Lord. I'm preaching to you today. It is time for us to revisit our prayer closet. 
It's time. That prayer is great. You need to be here at 6 o'clock tonight for prayer. Prayer is wonderful. We need to be together in prayer. Thank God for corporate prayer. But there's nothing that's going to help you overcome the selfish mentality of our world today like your own prayer closet, like your own place with God. The, the, the hypocrites, they prayed for everybody to see. Everybody wanted to see. Look at me. Look at my prayer. Look at my. And the Lord said they had their reward. That means there was no answer to prayer. But oh, that child of God that goes into their prayer closet, that goes into their personal war room and begins to pray, oh God, guard my heart. Oh God, guard my mind. Oh God, help me today. Amen. And bless my grandkids. Amen. Lord, I want you today, God, to be there. Why? It's getting into that place where it's just you and God. There's no lights. There's no mics. There's nobody patting you on the back. Nobody telling you how good you are. How much they like what you said and if it was profound or not. But it's just you and God. You and the Lord. Me and Jesus. In the room praying. That's how. I fight. Perilous time. If some people would go to their closet and pray about what they post more than what they post, they'd find their answer. Now, those of you that are not on social media, you don't understand what I'm talking about. But the vast majority of you understand what I'm talking about. I'm not saying don't post your prayer request. That's perfectly okay. Amen. That's perfectly okay. But I will tell you this. You need to go get along with the Lord. Amen. Rather than just simply, will you pray for me? Will you help pray for me? I'm going to pray for you. I don't know what to pray about. But it's only you and Jesus. Sometimes that will get the answer through. It is you. The Lord said, if you'll pray in secret, I'll reward you openly. If you'll pray behind the scenes, I'll take care of things that are public. If you take care of me in private, I'll take care of you in public. The psalmist said, 91 and 1, he that dwelleth in the secret place. He that dwelleth in the secret place. He that dwelleth in the secret place. Hallelujah. You know why somebody looks like they're always overcoming? It's because they got a secret place with God. You know how somebody is being victorious and overcoming narcissism and overcoming self-love, amen, and getting back in tune with God as they found a secret place. There's a place in prayer that all your anxiety will go away, that your burnout becomes healing, that your worry becomes joy. It's in a place where it's just you and Jesus. It's in a place where nobody is. The way to overcome perilous times is get back to the closet. He that dwelleth. There is a protection place in that secret place. There's freedom in that secret place. There's hiding in that secret place. There's rest and peace in that secret place. There's security in that secret place. There's identity. I know who I am. I sat down the other night with our student pastor and his lovely wife talked about what they were dealing with and what they were going through. You look at them on the public side. They're acting like everything's okay. But the struggles they have dealt with is immense. 
And little Katie told me, looking at me, she said, what I have learned about who I am in Christ is more valuable than any lesson I could get any other place. Amen. What happened? I'm coming out of my secret place with an identity is that I don't have to be told how pretty you are, how good you are, how great you are, how wonderful your YouTube channel is and how great you are looking and what wonderful meal you just had. No, it's my identity is in Christ. And because of him, I found it in an altar, in a closet, in a secret place. In a secret place. The psalmist said in 27 4, Psalm 27 and 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he'll hide me in his pavilion and in the secret of his tabernacle. Hallelujah, he'll hide me. When, when it seems like the enemy's overcoming us and it seems like this world is attacking us and all these mentalities pulling us in every way and we feel like we're inadequate and insufficient, amen, take me to the tabernacle. Let me find the secret place. Hallelujah, you want to get in the house of the Lord? You want to know how to get into the church? Amen, just contact me. We'll make sure the door's open for you. If you just want to come here all by yourself, uh, amen, and pray, that's a place that you can get. It's awful quiet in here sometimes, uh, amen, but I want to tell you, it's in those moments uh, in the secret of his pavilion that I find victory. Not in the spotlight. Not in the spotlight, but in the secret. Remember the old song, shut in with God in a secret place. There in the spirit beholding his face, gaining new power to run in this race. I love to be, I long to be shut in with God. We've got to learn this in this hour because the world is pushing on us and pulling on us and pushing on us and pulling on us. Be accepted, be liked, be loved, be followed, be Make sure that everybody sees just that sliver of your life that looks good. I, I, I can only count on one hand the times I've ever seen anybody say, man, I'm having a really stinky day on their Facebook post. Just, just really, or boy, this was a stinky meal. We portray ourselves as everything's good. But when you come to the Lord, you can be real with him. Lord, I'm, I'm needing you. I need you here. I need you right here, Lord. I don't understand this. I'm concerned about this. Oh, Heavenly Father, let me find you in the secret place. When thou prayest, don't be like the hypocrites, like standing out in the synagogue in the corner of the street. And he later went to say that's using vain pious repetition prayer is so powerful that I think sometimes we forget exactly how powerful it is prayer is not a religious act it's a legal act God gave a man authority to rule in the kingdom territory called earth the question is then why do we need to pray? Because prayer, we find out what the will of God is, and then we give God access to act on it. Act on it. 
Prayer is how God gained access to your life. When you pray, say, oh, God, have your way. Lord, I give you access to my mind. I give you access to my job. Lord, you come into my body. I give you access. Lord, heal this body. I just want you to come and take over. I can't do it, but I need to give you faith. That gives you access, Lord, to move. Hallelujah. Prayer is calling God to do what he's already promised. Look at Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 2. Jeremiah 33 and 2. Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord that is his name. So he establishes his authority and is his power. And then he says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The Lord already has it in his knowledge. He already has it in his, in his power. And he says, he, says, he says, you know what, don't you know, even before you ask, I know then why do I need to ask? If he already knows what I need before I ask, why not? Because he's bound by his word. He's waiting for a legal right to come in. He's a gentleman. He's going to be like the blind Bartimaeus that said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. If he had sat there and shut his mouth, he may have never got his healing. But because he gave Jesus an access right to come in, have mercy on me, it was a drawing. Amen. Prayer is more than just going through the motions. It is giving God the access. You got problems. How many of you ever got down to pray and all of a sudden you had a bunch of issues start coming to your mind, things you got to do, problems you got to fix? Anybody but me ever have that? Can I give you a little trick? Stop, start praying about them. If the devil's going to use it to try to sidetrack you, throw him a curveball and just start praying about it. Oh, I got this worry? Well, let me just pray about this. I got this to do? Let me just pray about this a little while. Oh, Lord, I need you to help me take care of this. I'm going to give it to you. You know what? You begin to take authority and dominion. Amen. That's how you get victory over the influence of the enemy in this world is get back to your closet. Get back to personal prayer. Get back to him. Amen. Prayer, prayer, prayer is the way we fight this foe called narcissists. Look at Luke chapter 18 and verse number 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. Men ought always to pray and not faint. Well, pastor, I'm getting weary. I'm getting frustrated. I'm burdened down. Have you been to your closet? How long did you stay? Did you really give it to the Lord or just want him to come be your fixer? Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, there was a city, a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded men. And there was a woman in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard yet, man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own 
elect, which do what? Cry day and night unto him. Not one moment prayer, not a 10 second prayer, but a prayer of life, a prayer of day, a prayer of going through your day. Oh God, I need you today. Amen. A prayer of being in, in, in tune with him. He said in verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. What is he saying? Perilous times suck your faith. Perilous times suck your faith to be dry. You know, that great scripture that talks about putting on the armor of God, talks about putting on the helmet of salvation, talks about putting on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and having the sword of the spirit and having the shield of faith and your feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace and, and being ready. Do you know it tells us how to do it? How do you do that? Pray with all prayer. Pray, pray, pray. We put on our armor, we go to our closet, put our armor on. Every day you ought to, if you're in a spiritual warfare, you ought to take just a few minutes, go to your closet and say, okay, today I'm putting on the helmet. Today I'm putting put it on by prayer. Oh, God, be with me today. You are more powerful in your closet than all the imps of hell, than all the media and all the Hollywood and all the social junk that goes on if you just go to your closet and pray. Stay with me, please. I'm not finished with my notes, but I feel that I'm finished with the message. Prayer is how you and I reach into the invisible world and bring an answer into our physical world. I can't have victory if I don't pray. I can't see God move if I don't pray. But I'm reminded of what Jesus said. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We can quote scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if we're not in our closet some, we will be weak and anemic and prone to to narcissism but if we go back to the closet and stay there a while all of a sudden we realize oh yeah I really can do all things through Christ through Christ through Christ which strengthens me so how do we combat perilous times that whole ostentatious culture of see me look at me my way my way what I want Fierce, proud, arrogant. How do we combat that? Jesus said, go to your closet and begin to pray. You don't like certain things in your world? Why don't you take it to the closet with you and Jesus? Whatever that closet, I'm not, I mean, if you have to have your own personal closet, you got to shut the door in your own, that's fine. But get a place that you could be alone with the Lord. I really felt this heavy on my heart today. It may not be for anybody but me, but oh, oh, I feel a call of the Lord. It's time to pray. It's time to seek your face.
my face, the Lord is saying. Seek his face. Is anybody that witnesses what pastor's saying today? Is there anybody that's had problems with narcissism in your world? Anybody ever had problems with this spirit of the age trying to suck you in and wanting to be known and wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard and, and yet you feel like it's being fruitless? Why don't you go to the one that really matters? Why don't you go to the one that really matters? He said he'd hear me. Is anybody feeling a call to your closet? Come on forward. If you're feeling a call to your prayer closet today, amen. As a symbolic gesture between you and the Lord, why don't you just simply say, I'm coming to the prayer closet today. Lord, I'm going to find my time with you, me and Jesus, me and you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm entering into that closet. Father, you said that you would reward us openly what we pray in secret. What we ask in secret, Lord, you'll reward us openly. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Saturday.